Why you gotta eat a heated donut, dude? What kind of fucking he, he prima donna the, are you, bro? What kind of prima he, donna are you? He dude? likes the icing warm, dude. So I guess it didn't record when I called you stupid sexy Zach. I mean, it might have, might not have, but you know, regardless, everybody knows I'm stupid sexy Zach. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you were giving me shit about my donut, so you know, so that can't be like stupid sexy Zach. Hmm. It's a nice logo you have there on your coffee cup. Yeah, it's, you know, company swag, bro. <laughs> Is that a razor chair, Zach? It's all about Turn that. your head. Yeah, that's a this razor. That's right, dude. And guess what it is? Let me let me turn it all the way around. Why would you get a razor chair, dude? It's so expensive for no reason. That's fucking whatever the hell that anime video game. It's Genshin Impact. You don't even play that game, dude. I do play Genshin. No, Impact. you don't, dude. I do, bro. bro I'm a traveler. Such a knockoff. No, it is. I was about to say, Josh, are you breaking news? Are you breaking news right now that that's just a poser? Is that what's going on? Always has been. Y'all are pieces of shit. Bro, you don't even play that game. And I, I don't do. either, but like I play I actually play that game. It's like it's a Breath <laughs> of the Wild r- ripoff. It it's so cool because it's literally like you're a traveler between worlds, you're a god, and your power is stolen and your twin is taken from you. And so you have to choose to be a boy or a girl. And guess what I picked? A girl. I'm a girl. Yeah. Of course, you can I mean, different yeah, heroes I mean, though. You have different yeah, yeah, characters. Yeah, you, you, but you can the... switch in between. It's still got elements of gotcha. Of course, it does. Spend more money. It's a free exactly. game. Exactly. Of course, the thing is, you know, call back to an earlier episode. Zach would kill his twin, wouldn't he? Like it, it didn't. So I don't know why you love that game. You would kill that twin. I'll kill you. How about that? What <laughs> What do you look for in a video game, Zach? What are, What is it? A story or is it gameplay? Or is an artistic uh, expression? It's probably the first and the last thing you listed: story and um, artistic, artistic exp- expression. I don't really care for gameplay. Like if Bro, you know they're telling a compelling you? story, if they're telling a compelling story, it's it's all right. But at the same time, like like what would be a game you consider to have good gameplay? Ooh, that's that's any Mario game because story is garbage, but most of yeah. it is all fun because it's Mario. And yeah. if I know Nintendo, they have a high standard of. When Renji was president of North America, Nintendo, like he would say, he always would famously say, if it's not fun, why bother? And it's simple as that. Like, Have you played Paper Mario, the Origami King? I haven't played that one. I've only played the Thousand Year Door. Oh, dude, or- Origami King's fucking pretty fun. I think it follows the same story of the... I think it's all the same story of Super Mario RPG for the N64, but I've never played yeah. that one, so... It, it's superior to like the the traditional mario games like it's rpg dude yeah go around it also is made by the square soft square enix uh people that made final fantasy so well, like first they of had... all square soft doesn't exist anymore i said square soft now... slash square enix because they're the it's, same there's thing. no slash there's no slash there's because, okay be. yeah let's launch it uh, what is it called uh the fucking super mario rpg and and not say square enix it's gonna say SquareSoft once you launch it. Um, have you? Did you see that they're making Final Fantasy VII remake into three parts? Dude, they just need to release the game. <laughs> ha- they they did the first part. Have you played yeah, the like first one? Yeah, like fucking like four or three years ago, and they still haven't yeah. made any more stories. Hey man, it's like it's Final man. Fantasy VII, Final Seven remake, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth remake after. 0.2% or some stupid shit and it's still the bro, first one you're, dude. you're just describing Kingdom Hearts right now bro like, because it's all square soft or square yes yeah. they like to just do fucking stupid shit with the titles they just like to waste time bro it's Japanese dude look at look at Evangelion with the rebuild series true. the one don't get, plus don't get us started Junior's gonna get his dick hard and not even realize it well you know it's it's been very pleasant listening to you guys um, talk. About I, I gaming, could tell. So. I could tell he was pretty happy about it. He, yeah, dude. Happy. Well, actually, you know, it's kind of funny because I was gonna recommend something to to you guys that I think y'all might like to listen to. It's a it's a podcast, and maybe you already know about it, but it's called the Gaming and Collecting Podcast. It's these two siblings, and they're talking about gaming and like the impact it had on their life and, you know, other nerdy top. I've only listened to like the first two episodes, but the second episode 
they did a huge dive into Pokemon. Well, like, what was their first exposure? All the different games, and and I was thinking, damn, Josh and Zach would like this. I guess this podcast. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, and the whole what gaming as a whole is so subjective. Like, it's so annoying that it's subjective, and not annoying that it's subjective. It's that people will suck the dick of big corporate big publishers like activision and ea and all these big people that make okay games but it's they're paying off all these big other whatever the hell they're called uh, like ign and all that stuff in order to get a higher ranking when these games are just mediocre at best it's like oh yeah new call of duty 8.9 you're like really what no, is it pushing no. the Fuck, limits? Call of up? Duty is just shit, bro. It like, always it's, has. It's been okay. All in the they're doing but... is put. Yeah, they're just putting new skins on top of the same gameplay. There's nothing revolutionary. It's the same multiplayer with different maps. There's nothing. Like how far? And can it you... just appeals to boomers, dude. Like fucking <laughs> people like say, Junior. When does it redefine? When does it want to uh, push I mean, the? Dude, I, 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 I've, I've been killed by some 12, 13 year old kids, dude. So I, I don't know how you say it just appeals to boomers. But I mean, there's everybody plays it. Um, I literally had a kid tell me to, you know, go suck a dick. Who was like probably twelve or thirteen. <laughs> so, dude, that's it's the whole. It's, it, it can get graphic on those comms, dude. They oh, get, dude, like get three really early three sixty era, like when there was just open comms and libraries, dude. People were saying the n word all the time, dude. It was like, it's was, it was like breathing. Um, but now, I mean, like, this guy sounds it, like the nineteen sixties. <laughs> so it was it, this brother and sister on this podcast i mean it, it sounds like it's they sound like they're pretty legitimate like nerd gamers much like yourselves maybe like the the brother kind of reminded me of that because he's like trying to buy every like he's i forgot like he collects all like the games but he he only plays them on the original hardware so then he had like he's getting the consoles for whatever games and i'm like that's kind of like zach although zach doesn't really don't be jealous play them he just don't gets be jealous, them Josh. He, but there's no I talking about something I, call play, I, play, I play the ROMs. I buy them and I play the ROMs. I don't want to accidentally damage the materials, bro. <laughs> bro, you know bro, how, he was talking about a game named Persona. I, Have y'all heard of that game? Uh, for yes. sure, dude. Josh Zana has never was, played Persona. Josh Zana is playing a cockbiter. I never Over played. Telling me I, I don't play played. Genshin Impact, but he's never played Persona. I know what I never fuck? played Persona. I never <laughs> claimed to play Persona. I've only Apparently, heard that Persona, Persona Five four is, is the best. No, I've Persona heard Persona. This guy. Persona, 5, Persona Five. People argue that Persona Five is probably the best, but yeah, I've only played Persona Five, but it's pretty great. I, well, I have played Persona Three for the PSP, but you mm. know, it's, it's not that. And great. And see, listeners, I hope that you realize here, you know, I'm, I'm branching out, I'm listening to podcasts just so I can connect with my nerdy brothers on gaming. But all I did was shit on Call of Duty. They they know that's the only game I play, <laughs> and he just tried to shit on me. But it. no, it's uh, not that. It's not specifically you. It's just that Call of Duty has had a bad rap since like when did it become like massively corporate? Was it during like Black Ops? Who one? owns it? Is it EA it's, or fucking it's Activision? Activision, yeah, Blizzard Activision or whatever. Yeah. So it's whenever fucking those companies just became come guzzling fucking cash whores, Whoa. dude. Yeah, it was at the end of the 2010s. It was like right around 2007, 2008s when it started getting like, okay, it's it's getting terrible. But like how yeah. far, how many times can you redefine? They're not even redefining the genre. Like the farthest that we've gotten. Okay, like. Let's say right now, Doom Eternal, the newest Doom, is cutting edge on... I wouldn't even say cutting edge. That's too much. It's its own thing, a little bit better than most or all first-person shooters, just because they're always adding, oh, we got speed boost, we got grappling hooks, we got weapons that pull you in, we got weapons that... They're very interactive versus like, oh, let me run and shoot and slide and try and jump over terrain. While as Doom is like, okay, we're adding in to more a little bit platforming with our grappling hook. Grappling hook makes it super fun. It's immediate. It's fun. What you- they should do <laughs> is integrate something where it's like you can have specific like supernatural abilities, whether it's telekinesis, laser eyes, all these things. Extra power. But, but you introduce thousands at one time. 
and you only power them up as you use them at a very slow incremental pace so that nobody can have one specific power that's overpowering anybody else. Everybody has to like build it. And it's just like very hard leveling and such a multitude of different abilities that it creates this really weird like um chaos theory of like who what powers are going to interact with other powers differently and how you know how do you game this that 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 is a good idea the thing is about that is like you have to pay attention to balancing like heavily keep an eye on that just because there's going to be one you know speed runner or one crazy guy that finds an exploit and this your game is destroyed like everyone plays it and they beat it like because of this one well, weapon or this well, one it, build. it's the same it'll be the same with like uh what they do with card games like when magic the gathering fucking introduces a card that's overpowered and somebody finds a way to crack crack it once it's cracked three months later magic will come back and be like well we just banned that so you yeah. can no longer use it so you'll just get that fucking like exploit banned and nobody can use it anymore it's like all right three months later we're making new sets and this new card is part of the old set now he's like it just yeah. came out <laughs> He's like, I just spent hundreds of dollars on this. He's like, well, shouldn't have cracked it. Oh god. Damn. Well, at the end of the day, all I know is they're bringing back GoldenEye to the Xbox. Bro, they're they brought back it. GoldenEye already. It was called GoldenEye Reloaded, and it was like this shitty attempt to be a redefining of the original 64 GoldenEye, and it right, was a again, shitty knockoff version of Call of Duty. <laughs> it's being it's being formatted for Xbox, so that's that's the key here. I mean. GoldenEye was good at... It was okay at lunch. It's not good anymore. Uh, All I know is I was going to ask you one question from this podcast because I was like, oh, I would assume that I would have heard y'all talk about this more, but I think they were talking about Sword and Shield. Is that the most recent or like... Yes. the That they were like... The, the brother was saying he was, you know, when they released the announcement that like, they, you know, was part of the fact that half the characters weren't going to be in it or something like that. Um yeah, they, <laughs> and I heard that on the podcast. I'm thinking, I would have thought I would have heard this from Zach and Josh. Oh, so it was like, definitely loud. People, were, a lot of people were divided on that game. I was. What's annoying is like, so they don't have the national decks, right, Josh? So what's annoying is it really seemed like so they did an expansion. Pokemon has never done paid downloadable content before, but they decided to experiment, do it with this game, and you think they would incorporate the rest of the Pokedex with that? But no, they didn't. And then on top of that, it's really seemed like they were going to add more DLC, but they never did. Hmm. Did you get that? So basically it sounds like it was a failed experiment. It could have been, but I've never, I mean, I never played the DLC because the game was so, I didn't have my original team that I wanted. There was just so much. Most people, when they play Pokemon, they play with their favorite team out of how many fucking Pokemon? 800, 900 almost Pokemon on the list. And people have a certain type that everyone's like, oh, Whalmer's going to be in here. I love Whalmer. He's just a big fucking blimp or some stupid shit. Everyone loves, everyone has a favorite Pokemon and a worse Pokemon. And they took half of that away. And I'm like, dude, it's not that hard. So, <laughs> I don't think so it's, it's that hard. I don't know. So when you said team, I was, I'm thinking back, they, they were naming like a lot of the teams from the different games. And I'm like. I only remember Team Rocket from watching you guys play, watch the cartoon. They were naming all like Team Flare, Team yeah. Skull. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? This is this is too much for me. But I powered through and I listened to it because again, I'm trying to. I mean, find whatever. Some, I'm trying to get some understanding when you guys talk about the stuff, so I'm not just over here in the corner. <laughs> whatever the the formula is, they've definitely got it down because it's still captivating kids nowadays. <laughs> like whatever it is, yeah. it's still working. It's crazy. Dude, yeah, they were talking about anime too. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys, have you ever heard of one? Is it called One Piece? Fucking an anime. Over a thousand it's episodes, a long bro. I started, yeah, I started the, watching the, it recently. What episode are sister, you at? Was, like fifty. Damn, dude, you're farther than me. Yeah. I started off at episode one. And I couldn't watch <laughs> it. Yeah, because the sister, I guess, and this, I guess, this podcast got released beginning of 2021. But she was like, he, the brother was saying something about watching something. She's like, well, I, I you know, I just started One Piece and. I'm on ninety episode ninety one. I still have like nine hundred to go or yep. something. I go, damn dude, that's a lot of fucking. And it's episodes. still going. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Chapter one thousand eighty something, I think, or seventy something. Could be wrong. 
it's it's up there at least in the manga you know it, it's still going on it's all overall going on yeah i mean i read a... the synopsis of it it seemed interesting story i guess would love to watch uh, funny enough if i finish the simpsons i'll start watching one piece because <laughs> i'm already on season 26 from one like there's 32 How's episodes that? i'm sorry 32 there's 32 seasons as of now of the simpsons and of course they're still going to go on until matt green matt greening or whatever his name is the writer right i guess until he dies or retires i don't know yeah but um i mean he's i don't know if y'all have watched any of the simpsons it's actually really good like there is any of the simpsons ever like okay like there is a (laughs) there is a gap in the simpsons where it, it was just like meh it was weird but like the first one the first few seasons that everyone knows is you know the loving simpsons and now we have homer just being whatever an astronaut a texan you know just like random things and then like now it's starting to touch on actual everyday topics you know there was there was an episode on season 25 i think about this kid that had mental illness and there's just all the major topics that are up today it's there but they don't touch on it they touch on it but they don't Go to it's it's actually interesting watching the newer episodes now. Well, I mean, I, I always felt like that's a, how it was. I mean, up, I mean, after the first three or four seasons, it was always kind of reminiscent. Like it always has some kind of an allusion to something that was kind of going on, or in the zeitgeist or whatever. Yes, yeah, um, there would be a, they, he would play with he would be like, oh, all these Wall Street people. It, it'd be something, you know, and then they'll lightly touch on it, and then you look at it now in the future, and you're like, holy fucking shit, like he will put something that's actually uh important or that is going on but no you know that the news doesn't touch on because these people have so much money that they they're like no we don't so, that. Huh? so you said you started from season one and and you're in season 26 yeah so how how many of the movies that we've seen up to this point on manfa have you seen like depicted in or do you even can you recall like some of the movies that we've watched? They do being depicted in Simpsons. They, I feel like they oh I don't know about I could, they do a lot like of the movies. best ones probably pop up like Casablanca was one. Yeah, oh, Casablanca. Was a, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. They, I think there was an actual uh, what's that one Alfred Hitchcock movie Psycho. There was a Psycho uh, little episode, but it wasn't the classic you know the stringing music and getting stabbed with a knife. It was like. Marge stole something and she was driving and she, you know, she was getting paranoid and they were literally playing that music that, uh, Oh, nice. You know, that, that, you know, when she was trying to steal the money and go somewhere else, buy a new car and the cops, you know, she's being paranoid that the cops are watching her and, you know, and that's what's going on. Marge is worried that everyone knows that this one thing, you know, that she did. So there's a lot of references to a lot of different movies. I, I should be writing these down, but there's just so many, you know, I couldn't tell you all of them. You got to do like a a mega list for the Manfall website where you just write out every reference in every episode to every fucking movie and try and compile a list. <laughs> we could do that. I was honestly about to start writing lore stuff because like they there's so many lore breaking things in the Simpsons like oh 100%. Yeah, it's just like I tried I stopped giving up cuz once it got to like I just had to stop because there were certain things that were like oh Seymour's a kid and it was like Wait, wait, Seymour isn't Seymour uh, Tanzarian. Yeah, you know, he's, he's not really. Yeah, he's not what you call it's actual mother. He he posed as his this one guy's general or something. I don't know. And then like he died and he pretended to be uh, Seymour. And then that beca- he became the which principal. is basically the plot to Mad Men. I haven't seen Mad Men. Mad Men. Yeah, I never, I never finished Mad Men. I think season five was the last one I watched. You spoiled it for everybody, dude. Well, I mean, it, Junior should already know that Don Draper's not. Oh Don Draper yeah, I know what you're far. talking about now. I know what you're talking about. But I mean, on that tangent, since um, I brought it up, I did write a, a blog post about these movies. I didn't want to share it with y'all to uh, spoil our discussion today, but I'll share it with you afterwards. I think Junior would probably get the most kick out of it. Um, Obviously, you, you're talking about for the movies that we watched today. Yeah. So, uh, what 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 did y'all think of the movies? Where do you want to start? How do you feel after watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and watching these? They all have, I guess, that as the overarching theme is being con- being connected to someone or some a group of people. You know, just that connection between people. I know. I agree. Yeah, I would say the same. <clears throat> I would say after watching Eternal Sunshine, which was the first one, you know, obviously at the in our favorites romance 
episode um, that we've wrapped up last week, but it, it feels like there's themes from that. That's kind of like maybe drilled down a little bit more into this. Um, but I think what Josh is saying is ultimately, you know, eternal sunshine and spotless mind is the, the connection that we sometimes trying to like erase from somebody. And then, you know, obviously we saw in that movie, he starts to regret it as they're doing it. And then you saw in, um, I guess the next one would be science of sleep. Right. I think, I think, and, uh, and that is like chronologically it, it is. Yeah. And so in that one is kind of the same thing. It's, but it's like the connection, the lost connection of his father. And then like the awkward trying to connect with the girl next door that he likes or didn't like at first, then liked, and then be kind of one, which Josh, you know, kind of mentioned this a little bit, but like the, you saw like the connectivity of the, of the neighborhood and like when they start to decide to like swede the movies even shorter and saying like, oh, we'll have them be in the movie. And that's how it will alleviate the fact that, you know, we're, we're jipping them 10 minutes and how everybody like buys in and everyone connects. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I would agree that you see a lot of that, but there's a lot of other things too. Um, I, I feel like a lot of it is with um, what's going on in the mind, right? You know, even at the end of Be Kind Rewind, when they were like, you know, we can rewrite history that even though Fats Waller didn't live in that building, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, they're like, we can, we can make it. We can, we, we were the, the, the you know, the, the authors of our, I guess, past. So, and then you see that in Science of Sleep where like everything is bleeding in reality, dream, daydreaming, false awakenings, which I love that part because I literally had that happen to me in the Navy once. But uh, yeah, I mean. I like the fact that we branched off on these two movies. Agreed. I mean, yeah, I, I really like what he did. Um, I, I have to say that Science of Sleep feels more like the uh, the true successor to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Mm -hmm. It carries over a lot of the uh, same, like, very obvious themes where, you know, you're dealing with the mind and um, especially in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. They're, they use different devices to pull over what's going on in the mind where, you know, they so set yeah, up. I was going to ask that, like, I wasn't entirely sure what that one second time machine was and it, but it kept on using it. Like it was like some sort of like anxiety. Cause when you have like anxiety, you know, you're repeating the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, freaking yourself out for no reason whatsoever. And I, it was that what was that what that was being used for, or because I wasn't entirely sure what the actual, like, just to repeat that moment over and over again. But like, then it was being used for that in the head, and I was just like, oh god, I, I've been here. Like, I don't like that. Yeah, no, that that's a that's a great point. Like, I don't know if that explicitly was what he was trying to get at, but it would make sense. Like, fucking Stefan's character was a walking just i mean he had so many issues right obviously the main one being he couldn't tell what was real from what was fake but at the same time he was constantly anxious about the relationship with the girl that he didn't even like to begin with right <laughs> yeah. and so like that's that's a good call that is a good guy like that yeah i would say <clears throat> to like josh's point i think maybe it became that in his nightmare you know what i mean like it became a symbol of that, but I think, you know, I think f why he made it and give it to her was kind of like a playful way for him to try to like connect with her. And even also, I think to make a move on her. Cause remember when she put it in forward and she clicked it, he was like hugging her and then he hugged her again. And she's like, wait, what was that? He's like, well, the first one was the future and the second one was the present. And so, you know, and you kind of see like, that's his like like there's he seems like he's in a very childlike state throughout the the movie you know he lost his father he's going back to live with his mom in france his room is literally looks like the it's the room he left when he was a kid so and he has these other you know you know the mom alludes to it like that he's always had a problem with inverting his dreams in reality like so it seems like he never broke out of it and it caused him to be somewhat stunted because it seems like he doesn't know how to connect with her even though like there is i feel like there is something there between them early on but then it's just like to zach's point is just his weirdness or whatever kind of like impedes him a lot of times and that last scene is just i told josh this last night after we watched it i said dude 
even though like what they're saying back and forth to each other can be maybe a little too immature or whatever, but I feel like I've lived that moment where you're trying to connect with this person, but all you're trying, like both of y'all are actively trying to keep a divide between y'all and add and avoid the actual. And so it feels super real, even though there's a lot of fantastical things that led up to that moment. I'm like, Oh dude, I, I feel that. And, and like you said, kind of, it feels like the successor, or maybe even this is what leads somebody to want to erase them. You know what I mean? Like this could be mm-hmm. the prequel to what happens in eternal sunshine. Agreed. Like, w- and uh, you talking about how he's very childish. He's definitely infantilized in this movie a lot. And I really like that Gondry does that because he also does it a little bit. He touches on it in eternal sunshine when they go back to that one memory mm-hmm. at, with uh, Jim Carrey's mom and you can see that he Gondry really likes playing with the idea of how childhood shapes what our view of relationships and love are later in life. And I think that's really comes across in the science of sleep. And that's why um, Stefan's got this real childish view of like, even whenever his friend uh, Guy is like making all these dumb jokes, he's like, that's not funny because this is what love is, or this is how it is. And he's like, not everyone wants to go fuck somebody. Like, so he's got this, this really pure view of, uh, of love that I find interesting. And I really like the country played with that. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I think it's, it's partly like you said to him, like a purity of innocence of child, but then at the same time, he contrasts that because there's a lot of jokes that he makes that are kind of dirty and again it could be like a teenager who finds out these dirty jokes uh, but even even um stephanie like you know when he she thinks she's when she thinks he's coming to like knock and get zoe's number she, he goes yeah you know a, a bird in the hand and she goes it's worth my bush right so like there's that there's that always sexual innuendos between their conversations but at the same time, it like it like it could be that he's just like in a teenage state at that point when he's trying to, you know, or a preteen. He's he's still got the innocence of youth, but he's trying to be kind of like a, a dirty, trying to be like a gee, trying to be punk. And then he just like he's like, hey, you might want to get some paper or put some toilet paper because people are putting your dirty Sanchez, their dirty Sanchez on your door from where he like bled on the door. So mm-hmm. and it's just kind of, you know, I think I agree. But I think also it's partly like the way he sees himself, like he's a creative. Like I think he sees himself as a creative artist, a romantic. So like he maybe in his mind, he doesn't think that that type of behavior is the right behavior for someone of that nature. For sure. No, I think I don't think he's like explicitly like being like a child throughout the movie. I just think his idea of what like love and relationships are is based on what was formed in childhood. No, no, yeah, yeah, and I, and again, I, I kind of that's what I was mention, mentioning earlier. I just think we find him in a childlike state because of everything that's happened. He just lost his father, you know. He apologized to his mom. I, I, you know, I'm sorry that I left when dad left. He comes back to that house, and it's literally like what he left it as a kid, his room. So it's just like he's in this kind of lost space and feeling like a child. And then, yeah, to your point. You know, maybe his ideas of what he sees. Um, and again, when he thinks about his dad, you never see a memory of his dad with his mom, you know, like, so it, it, maybe to him being alone or, you know, love was something to your point different that he experienced. And that's why maybe he didn't seek it out as willfully at first, because he seems like he's kind of apprehensive to go after Stephanie once he realizes it is right. But I think he always knew at the beginning, don't you think like when they first met, because he, he alludes to Guy, like, oh, I like this friend, but I think she, the neighbor likes me. Did y'all get that? Like, what, what, what was y'all's vibe when that first whole interaction happened? Like, were they hitting it off, Stephanie and Stefan? Or, I mean, they definitely had a different chemistry and it, probably a better one. But, like, he made the point that, you know, he wasn't attracted to her at first. Like, um, he, he definitely wanted, when he said to Guy, you know, I like the one girl, but I think the neighbor likes me. And it's weird because he even is like telling Guy at one point, you know, I don't like her like that. She reminds me of my dad. Right. Which was also like super weird and difficult to unpack. Like the relationship he wants with her is like heavily 
fed by like his desire to fill the hole that he's missing with his dad and it's not even like fully romantic like i don't know it's it's a weird one there's a lot there's a lot to unpack with their relationship i was gonna say i think he kind of in his conversation with gee after maybe the drunken night episode like i think he kind of explains it like you know she uses her she makes things with her hands and wasn't his dad an inventor so like you know i think he yeah i think that you know he's saying like her synapses are connected to her fingers and it's like this and so like he's he's able to like explain why he has an attraction to her or has a a longing to like connect with her um which I, i i mean again i think that's to you just said or zach said you know maybe he's trying to fill that void but at the same time, obviously, with the whole bar scene, when he, <laughs> when they release Disasterology, oh, the yeah. calendar, which, what did you guys think about that calendar? Did they actually release? That wasn't a dream, was it? That was real. Well, I, I, I don't know. Like a lot of the, right. a lot of the movie towards the end, you really start to like not understand what's real and what's not. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like the movie's not perfect, and I think like that is one of its successes and failures, is that like you can't as a viewer really know what's happening and I think right. it hurts and adds at the same time. So, I mean, I think it's reality. Cause I mean the, the, what's his name? Mr. Pache was like, it's been six months later. So yeah, but it, in, it's kind of like mind, a time, it's kind of a you time could do jump. that in your mind. You could do that too, though. You know, like, but these you were always, the things you would want to hear. You always there, but there was nothing fantastical that happened. Like you, you can tell the scenes where it's not, a dream or him inverting reality, uh, his dream into like, you know, him sleepwalking. Like it's, oh, there's always a way, you know, that they were able to like decipher that. Like, you know, even I don't, when he's- I don't think that's necessarily true because it, as it, as the movie progressed, it, it became less and less frequent and the events became less and less like distinguishable as clearly as they were whenever he was like dreamwalking or sleepwalking. Um, so I, I, I would say that, there's a good chance that that was not real or at least elements of what was happening in that bar scene weren't real. I mean, I, I mean, again, I think it is because in every, even in the, like, yes, the, 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 the amounts of times that it went, like, it's not as frequent, but like, even when he was supposed to meet her at the bar, he sees the dream boss with the long hair walking on. Like, so, you know, yes, he's in reality, but he's in his mind. So like whenever he starts to get in his mind, there was always something that kind of like, showed you that he is probably inverting what he's thinking about into reality and seeing things he's not like hallucin that would be a hallucination he literally is having hallucination that you know the crazy boss dream the dream boss was guy was like chasing him so in that scene then that you're referring to are you would we be safe to assume that she was really at the cafe mm-hmm. and he imagined or dreamt that she wasn't because because yeah. he never went in remember because he mm-hmm. saw old boy come like so like it's just him in his head overthinking things maybe even hallucinating um and, and then he just you know creates a reality that's not true because he didn't see it right he, he gets to the door well, what's so weird about in. going back to like the bar scene where he sees her with the other guy and she's like all over him. And then a little bit later, she's tucking him in. Mm-hmm. That whole scene is also weird. Like, did you think he, at that point, he's wasted, right? Do you think he right. imagined her tucking him in and being like, if you could only, it, you would, wouldn't be so upset if you knew how much I loved you or something? I don't know. Cause I felt like, didn't it cut, like, it, it, it like literally, like, he heard it and like incorporated it into a dream. Right, like that's when like the police were coming to find him, and he got out of the the house and like was driving around the cardboard cart, and then crashed and came through, and and then he falls out of his bed. Like so, I think you know, and that was one thing Josh, I asked Josh because I think we talked about this before in an episode, but you know, he would incorporate things that was going outside into his dream. Right, like when the little toy was saying like, "You accept this mission" or whatever, and he was flying around the city, and that was blaring on the speaker that was in the city. So like. I think it did happen. He and she did say it, and maybe that that that's what that dream was about, like him just accepting it. And but he seems to not want to accept it. He doesn't want to be captured with that idea that she loves him. Um, 
because maybe he's still struggling with like the fact that you know maybe he doesn't like her i don't, I don't know like there's so many layers to you like what you said there's so many he's tackling so many things that i think any person who has been in love might have had that kind of moments of thinking or or whatever it is and even when he's having dinner with his parents or his mom and his stepdad um you know he's like the dad's like or the stepdad is saying like are you know are you in love right now like he was basically trying to say that love exacerbates some of that sleeping or whatever and and you know when i heard that i'm like yeah that's true when you're in love like your thinking can be a little off and like your, your dreams become more vivid right you start to have these ideas um or do you dream things that you want to happen or even oh like and that's the thing i loved about it, like when he's in his head trying to make up what's gonna like went the whole horse like he imagined how it was gonna go like the, when you're in that kind of mindset that's how you are you're like this action's gonna lead to this and you daydream it and then when it doesn't happen that way it it's it just drives you crazy it fucks you up even more josh what do you think about like the way it was shot and stuff like all the it was fine i did like the with the ones with the practical effects i think that's the special effects i could be wrong whichever whatever the ones that do the practical and yeah you definitely see a lot of practicals being used and i really like seeing that in movies and over just because you're using more of your creativity uh, i'm not saying it's you don't have any creativity if you do it on a computer but it's just something doing it physically and being able to put it into a movie you know is more harder than you know yeah and in and, and an invisible i don't know what you would call this canvas that where you you can literally create anything you can if you have money you know versus like oh yeah we are limited by our physics you know our money budget and how creative we are. And uh, yeah, it's a personal preference of one of mine of how people do practical effects. Like when they put the, the cloth over the real horse, when they're riding it, <laughs> that, that looked weird. And I don't think that horse could see, and I don't know how, but you know, it's a dream to me. I didn't really notice the, the shots just because I was more captivated by the actual practical effect that. Well, and that's what I was saying. Had. Like I was kind of referring to that when I, I was talking about how they shot like the the way they do because i know you're always a big fan of that type of you know the effects like and and i love how i mean he does it in all the movies it's just i mean you i like it because it just has this more tactile like analog feeling to doing it and i don't think any of his movies use actual cgi it's all like when he goes into those kind of fantastical moments it's kind of Mostly you see stop stop motion, right? He does a lot of stop motion. He does, you know, builds things out of, you know, like the 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 cityscape is like all look like the roll the 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 middle roll of the toilet paper. Like, you know, he made towers out of them and all that. So it's like it's interesting how he does it. It's kind of it's kind of like almost uh it reminds me of like the French Wes Anderson in a way. You know how Wes Anderson always builds those models and things in his movies, but I just like it. It just it, it, it gives it a different feel and it makes it and I told Josh this, like especially with Science of Sleep, when you go into those fantastical worlds, it, it kind of makes you more in tune with like when it's more real in those moments. Like at the end with the whole conversation between them, like she's like, What do you want from me? And like you're just like, Oh shit, it kinda hits more because like now you're like, Oh, this is really happening right here. This isn't an imagination. It makes those moments kind of stand out for me, at least like you're like, oh, shit, like this is I've lived this moment before. Like, what do you want from me? Why don't you just tell me what you want from me? And then I can't say it for whatever reason. Right. So do you all remember the F the Foo Fighters Everlong video? No. Which was directed by Michelle Gondry. Like he was using the big hands even back then. That's like 1997, 98. Um, but like in there, Dave Grohl, the same thing. It's like a dream sequence. Like. And they're going in his dream and something's happening and like he's about to get in a fight and then his hand grows big and he just starts slapping the shit out of people. So, you know, I think a lot of things you see a lot of the same things like Michelle Gondry is always doing it over and over, like and just kind of perfecting it or using it in different things. But it makes me, you know, I know we had intention initially said we were gonna watch three movies. The the Mood Indigo was the other one. I know we kind of audible down to just two but it, like it definitely after watching these two i'm like oh i kind of want to watch mood indigo now like you know um yeah just, just kind of see how that goes and it's been it's it's i mean he makes good movies like i think like to your point this movie's messy 
like the story the plot like seems like it's all over the place but it's still a very interesting experience when you watch it still fresh after 15 years like i I still enjoy it be kind rewind i'd never seen it before and and i was uh, i was pretty disappointed actually Um, wow wow yeah yeah (laughs) Hmm. so it so okay for starters if i was an uninformed viewer i would easily think that michelle gondry didn't direct or write this like it just doesn't have the same feel it uh, especially in the sense of like relationship building like um this is it's just it doesn't feel the same as especially coming off of science of sleep and eternal sunshine it's just, and obviously you know it's a different movie and it has its own themes that it's going for but it just didn't land um mm. and you know i looked it up critics also had mixed reviews you know it's got not a great score on rotten tomatoes but you know it, there's just like inconsistencies in the movies that i had issue with like jack black in a fantastical way is electrocuted and somehow this magnetizes him and the magnetization just disappears while they're recording so he doesn't erase the tapes all over again like well no that was the salt water the, all the salt water he drank it, it's like a cheap it was cheap like i it it doesn't make sense or great sense and i honestly i understand because like it's you should suspend your disbelief but it just felt like a, a gimmick that was used to move the story along and the story shouldn't have been moved along in my opinion because it shouldn't have been a story i there is i do agree to an extent because uh, i like i really like the movie but I do agree with you on that point of view as of like, yes, he has the magnetism, but it was only used to get to that point of that movie and, and never used again. Or, to, and you know what I the mean? The majority like, of the movie was exactly. Used it was just to, used or the majority of the movie wasn't relying on like what Gondry did in the other two movies where it was like relationships and the messiness of what's going on. It was just, Hey, let's show a bunch of montages of people making remakes of, popular movies and that was like a huge segment of the movie and i was like okay you're not really doing anything here you're just kind of showing us your diy gimmick and i understand that you like to like put things together with props but at the same time this isn't really something that i need to be watching it's not moving the plot in a way that i would like i don't feel like i even need this like they didn't for the first whole half of the movie they like after um What's the the shop owner's name? After he leaves, they don't really even know that like the shop's about to get closed. He just leaves. He doesn't tell them that. They're just running the shop, and all the stuff transpires. And it's like could have been better served to let them know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think on that one, I think that's just you know him being older, and it's not their worries. Like they just work there, you know. He, sure sure i'm just and, saying and again, from a again, story that's standpoint left, that's why he left too remember because he said he's going to this fat fats waller convention or whatever again story-wise it feels cheap because it doesn't it, it's not even necessary like that character like he's just gone doing research at video stores around where he's gone for how long but he's just like shown to be like walking around blockbusters and taking notes no no it, not it, blockbusters it those were Hollywood videos. <laughs> yeah. So like that, I was just like, what? I thought, you know, I maybe mean, he would go away and like he had found or he knew about some way to like get the money together. I don't know. It was, it wasn't, I had issue, especially coming off the other two movies. They felt like they worked in tandem. This one felt like so different. Well, I mean, I think it's literally in the same wheelhouse. Like he's literally the movies get erased. Like that's literally Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind erasing love memories, and now we're erasing the stories, the new stories. Because think about an yeah, Eternal a, Sunshine that's of the a Spotless Mind. No, think about it in the no, bookstore. No, I'm thinking about it. It's a stretch. In the bookstore, all the books are getting erased in the memory. And yeah, but you're jo- just drawing Josh- parallels as a stretch here. That we're talking about erasing memories, and you're talking about erasing movies. Like it's very, they're very but, different. But because you, you're not listening, I'm not saying the memory part in that erasure of the memory. 
Josh, remember, I remember Josh saying like, oh, are the books being erased? And we talked about it, but I said, oh, so then he doesn't, the Barnes and Noble's not going to exist there. Because remember, it erases anything associated with that memory. So that means he would forget all the books that what he ever read in that bookstore. And they showed that when he, when, when she's talking to him, like, don't make fun of my name and sing the Clementine song. Remember that got erased because eventually he went back to his child. So like you realize, oh, he did know the song, but it got erased. So that sure. means everything in the bookstore, he would never have a memory of the Barnes and Noble being there one or any book that he saw or read in that memory because it's associated sure. with her. So, but I'm I saying still don't aspect, see how it connects to the DVDs I'm saying the erasure aspect, being erased, things being erased. Like these movies are probably, he's probably trying to say, like, what happens if the movies we love got erased? Like we didn't have them anymore. Like it's I still the kind guess. of same concept. No, no, I, I can see the concept. I just don't think it, like, if it is, if it is him like grabbing it and thinking, hey, let's, um, I really like this idea of like loss and all this stuff. Like, I don't feel like it carried over well from, from the other. Well, movie. you got to remember Charlie Kaufman wrote Eternal Sunshine as Father's Mind, and it came. The idea came from an artist, so it's like all he sure. did really is directed it. Well, he I passed mean, the he idea got along co-write. He got a co-writing right because he came credit. he helped with the story. But I'm just saying, like, guy. if you look at um, Science of Sleep, it follows when I was, the matter. Well, the science. The science of sleep is like you see that it's not as prevalent, but it's a microcosm with with most deaf and and uh, the actress they eventually get from the 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 dry cleaners. Like he's interested in her, but he doesn't know how to make that step. Like sure. you see that's and and also um, Danny Glover's uh, or yeah D- Danny Glover uh, character. Like mm-hmm. you clearly can tell he has a relationship with like that, the the old white lady is uh, who which was Mia Farrow. That was, I think, the girl that he was talking about that got away. Right. Like because he constantly calls her every single night and then he finally roughs up her nephew for being a jackass in the store. Yeah. So I think it's that aspect of like that you see in Science of Sleep that not being able to take the next step with somebody that you that you like. Definitely. So it's what the, there. It's microcosms. It's there. But the problem is, is that what Gondry really does well in Eternal Sunshine and Science of Sleep takes a backseat to focusing on sweeting movies, um, which is the relationships. Relationships aren't a very focal point of this movie. And I feel like that is probably the biggest reason why it didn't land for me. Josh, didn't you say, though, like that it reminded you of when you made movies, the camaraderie like the people around that you would shoot in their neighborhoods or whatever so yeah the i really like this movie just because it made me feel like being back doing in college doing projects helping others with projects because you can't just only work on your project and yeah it's always it it, it's not only that it's helpful for others but it also helps you you know because it's you're part of it you're having fun or if you aren't having fun (laughs) then why are you doing it um like all the things that they were doing, like there what was it when they had a deadline, he's like, Oh, we have to do this in like four hours or something like that. That I had a lot of close moments like that in college, like with projects, just because we were had times and locations that we had only at certain times we had to record and we had to do all this other stuff. And one project always point stood out to me, which was called the weekend warrior. The Weekend Warrior has, you got the assignment at the end of class, which was on Friday at like five o'clock because it was like a long class period or some shit. It was like a three hour class or some shit. I forget what it was. And so we had a line that we had to put in, a location and an object that we had. And we had to write a story around all those elements and have it edited and brought in on Monday and bro. Finding all those locations were so, so, it was so, not wouldn't say annoying, but it was so, you look at it now, you know, it was so much fun in the time, like getting all these, doing, doing all these projects and then seeing the adversity that you had overcome. And then now you see, you see the outcome years later. And then like when we were making movies and they're showing like the behind the scenes when they were in the in the end of the movie and they were all watching them laughing at what they were doing and i was like 
Yeah, we did a lot of that. We we had a lot of the outtakes and we rewatched them and when we watched the movie after all this and we're like, holy crap, all these memories, everything is just like it's relating so much. This movie's so good to me. Like I it it was a good movie to me just because of all those you know, it, it was directly mm. for me. It's what it felt like. So and we do I do have the movie one of the movies that I helped make, so we could probably watch that in another episode whenever in the future. I could tell you so many things like with every shot because I was there for every shot in that movie because I was the fucking sound guy and he was like, it would be like, all right, skeleton crew. Everyone's like, oh, thank God. I'm like, I still have to fucking work. I'm with camera. Camera needs sound. So we're there for everything, literally everything. So I could, I could, if we watched a movie, I so could tell you everything. So what I've learned from what it. you just said is that it's about the journey, not the journey's end. You know, it's the, sometimes the prize is the friends yeah, you made along the way. So. Okay. Yeah. And I remember a lot of that <laughs> whenever we had locations and we, we, we learned like the people's names and, and they became so nice and it's so weird. Like it's, it's, it, it was bringing people together and they were like, Oh, how's that movie? How's that movie going? I, but I mean, I think to, to Josh's point and, like what Zach has an issue with. I mean, I think that's what I saw when it came to the connectivity story of people. That's what happened in this movie. Like the whole community came together, a community that was trying to get become gentrified by, you know, some rich white middle-aged man who had glasses. But, you know, I think, I think it did have it. And I think it also had it in like the relationship of, again, they didn't play on it as much. I think maybe that's where Zach has issue because the other two movies, it's literally the one connection between one person. And it's what he does in... better. Like, I'm just saying, like, he, what does, I he saying, there may be a connection. I agree. But I'm right. saying he's not doing it well in this movie. Well, he's not doing it the way you're used to it. And because I, I looked at some of the other, I think Mood Indigo looks good. You know, you showed us the trailer last week. Um, I'll probably watch that individually. But there were some other movies I saw that between between science of sleep and mood indigo and some of them, like when you look at the trailer and they'll be written by him, it doesn't seem like to your point to hit like what I know from internal sunshine, science of sleep, and even be kind rewind. Like I forgot what it was. It's like 2012 or 2014. When I looked at it, I'm like, this doesn't seem like his movie. And I looked at it and he wrote it and directed it. And I'm like, I wonder, it'd be interesting to watch it just to see like, has his style changed? You know, that's the other thing. Has his style changed? In the middle, at least, starting from Be Kind Rewind until, you know, the trailer of Mood Indigo looks I mean, he hasn't made to... anything since 2015. It's crazy. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I feel like if there was a change, it probably started with Be Kind Rewind until, like, Mood Indigo looks similar to, like, a Science of Sleep or Internal Sunshine. Yeah, at least so from the trailer. Be Kind Rewind, and then it's the Green Hornet, and then this movie called oh, well. Lee and I. <laughs> Green Hornet is that's that he definitely changed by then. Um, yeah, like maybe Be Kind Rewind was like, hey, you can't make you can't break into like mainstream Hollywood unless you show us you can do like a certain type of movie comedic. I don't know. Maybe. You tried to branch out a little bit. Well, I was going to ask that question at least for the movies we've seen. I mean, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. It was a thought experiment for an art installation. So, like, and Charlie Kaufman wrote it. But I'd say for like Science of Sleep and Be Kind Rewind, do you feel like there's just a personal aspect to it? Like it might be like kind of speaking to something like he dealt with or what he experienced um, in those movies. Like, is there is there a little bit of autobiographical like aspect to it? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think it's because says I would any... almost get. What's that? I was just going to say, I don't think it says anything anywhere about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I don't, I'm just saying like, it feels like there's people, cause like you, what you said about like making a mainstream movie, like maybe that's why Be Kind Rewind was a little different in it. Think about the dynamic of like Ma's death when they're sweeting the movies, you know, there's that whole Jack Black is like, oh, I want to be the star of every single one, you know? And then like Ma's death is like not necessarily saying it. He's, he's the one directing it. He's the one coming up with ways to make the movie work really quick. Right. And he's not getting any credit for it. Right. He's never the one, like when he's talking to the girl, he's like, I never, I'm never the one in there kissing the girl or, or you know, he starts to kind of relay that. And then when they decide after all their suite of movies get destroyed, he's like, 
we're going to make our own story. I'm going to make my own movie and I'm going to star in my own movie. So I feel like it's kind of an aspect of his personality. Like, cause you got to think about it. The guy had made, he probably has like a director, like a hundred music videos. And like, that's probably to his mind. He was just sweeting movies when he did videos, right? Like it was a movie idea he probably had in his head and now he's condensing it down into a three, four minute fucking music video. So I don't know. I, that's kind of the piece I got. Like when I looked at B Conry one, I feel like he's like, it's kind of him just self-expression. Some of the things maybe he experienced, maybe he's more like Moss Def in that um, aspect. And then even that, again, it's like when they talk about making the memory of the Fats Waller, he's like, yeah, it might not be true factually, but we can create what the truth is in this movie. Like we can make it that. And so I think that's kind of what I got from B Conry one is like, all those movies, yes, it got erased on the VHS. Then it could also be a, um, what do you think? What, what do you call it? A satire or um, a parallel to like VHS being cycled out at that time, right? The you know because the DVD like that could be an aspect of it too. But then I'm thinking about like yes, it got erased on the VHS, but everybody remembers seeing those movies at least before, and they just kind of took it and like oh let's just base it off the memory we have of this movie and make a sweeter movie. And so I think, you know, sometimes we can do that in life. We can make a memory and we kind of like sweet it down to like, Oh, this is, this is the best part of that night. Like, even though there was probably other bunch of shit that went wrong during the night, but I don't know. Yeah. He does play with a lot of those themes in these movies that we saw. So uh, I just thought from an aspect, I feel like some of it can be personal because he was a drummer of a band called we, we, and you think about Stefan was um, a drummer in his dreams. And, and, and also I think, I think he wanted to be like something that Stefan had mentioned in, 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 the, in science of sleep. So, um, oh yeah, he wanted to be an inventor when he was a kid, Michelle Gondry. So like, I just feel like when I read some of that stuff, it seems like it's sometimes prevalent or like a small, like maybe story device inside some of the movies, but um, again, I'm ready to see Mood Indigo. I know he has some projects coming up. I looked on IMDb. Like, I think he has four upcoming projects. But, I mean, hmm. it's it's been seven years since his last movie, I guess, that he's directed. It's on some short films, it looks like. 2021, A Dozen Eggs. I have no idea what the fuck. Where do you even find short films? You know, I feel like that's something that the world really misses out on. Like, where do you go to watch a short film? Is it, like, on their website? Like, there's no streaming platform for short films, is there? There, there is. I gotta remember, like um, two years ago, Oscar Isaac. So he was a, in a uh, an Academy Award nominated like short film, and there is a website. I found it. Like I downloaded the app on my Apple TV um, that has all the like short films and stuff. I got sent a link to like sign up for to watch this uh, project that DoorDash had been sponsoring as like mm-hmm. part of their like uh pa- uh funding like the passions of our dashers kind of thing like i guess they have something like that and so that's somebody who wrote a script and it got turned into a short film and and uh it was called alien and in parentheses it's the other and it was a really good it was 11 minute short film that they showed at tribeca and i was just like damn dude and it made me think of like the sweeted movie like them sweeting it and i'm like should we Swede a movie? Like, should we Swede? Oh, oh, there's a film festival, a Swede at film festival since 2016, where people submit Swede at films. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of based on, yeah, I was like, dude, do we Swede a, a Be Kind Rewind <laughs> Swede? Do we, do, do we make one and try to submit it? I'm good. I didn't like you the can... movie. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Now you can Swede it and make it a good I movie. I can make it, I can make it the science of sleep. <laughs> Uh, can you sweet the science of sleep? Is that possible? That would be so weird. Like you would do like CGI. You'd have to CGI it. No, Josh wouldn't let us CGI it. He's going to have us out there wearing <laughs> CGI. I, I love short films, man. There's some, some, there's some good ones out there. Did you ever know that the, uh, the bully from karate kid won a freaking Oscar for a short film? No. Yeah, yeah. Zapka's his last name. Like, yeah, he won one back in early 2000s. What about, um, moving back to Science of Sleep, Charlotte Gainsborough? Mm-hmm. Have you all seen her in anything else? She, I know I've seen her in something else, but I, I can't remember. I always forget what it is. I love her as an actress. She's been in uh, a bunch of um, 
he's part of the Dogma 95 initiative. I don't think he follows the... Uh... Oh, damn. I forgot she was in Melancholia. Yeah, she's in Melancholia. She's in Antichrist. And she's in Nymphomaniac. Oh, yeah. Which, I've seen that. Which um, all are the same director. That, that was the one with Shia LaBeouf in it, right? Yeah. You get to see his, his prosthetic wiener. I'm glad we watched these movies. They're... I think when you watch a Michelle Condry movie, it's like you you want to like make something. Maybe not necessarily a movie, but just like you feel very creative after watching them, um, or at least these Science of Sleep and Be Kind Rewind. Like you just you know you see the, all the inventing that's going on, the ideas. I think that's one thing I liked about Science of Sleep. You know when they're talking about the boat and and then putting the white trees of Gondor in there, and uh, that Josh had mentioned when we watched it. Uh, yeah, I just I, I like it. I like the feeling I have usually. Um, I mean, yeah, you you but you also juxtapose that with the feeling of like kind of like oh shit, that just you know all of the movies except for Be Kind Rewind for 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 Zach, like you have some kind of like feeling that's like stuck with you an emotion. Um, but it also, like I said, I also feel like very creative after watching these. I agree with that, and I want to keep that momentum. So what are we doing next week? We're doing, you know, Kaufman, right? We're going to kind of veer into that. Yeah, I think we said adaptation and I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, it's going to be nice. I haven't seen adaptation in quite some time. And we'll get to finally get a little Nick Cage talk. Because I know Josh has made it the comment before, like he can't ever take any movie serious that has Nick Cage in it. So Damn, it's going to be interesting to see what he thinks when we watch adaptation. It's just... Like, you see Nick Cage, you think of all the movies that he's made in the past. Some of them are really good. You know, action, adventure, right. whatever the hell. Then, then you see some of the terrible movies he made. And then you then he just becomes a living meme for a little bit. And then now we're going to watch him in a serious thing. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to... Bro, you, uh, you <laughs> don't appreciate who Nick Cage is and how malleable he is, bro. Please, he stole the Declaration of Independence. You know what that How means? You know what that means? You think he I declared his the, independence as an actor of this world, dude? Like he's just out there. He's so like everything. He's that's it was a metaphor, and that's and why we, we need a third one. You know what? The we third one's going to one. be, and I know we've kind of mentioned before, like if they didn't have QAnon in them, yeah, QAnon plot twist of the third <laughs> national treasure. Nicholas Cage reveals himself to actually be Q. Oh my god! <laughs> they would do so well, dude. You know, if they do something like that, oh, I would watch dude. it. Um, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get that third national treasure. I'm just going to put that on record. I think we will. Why? Because it'll spark a bunch of like people. Like it's just real. We could do it's that, but I, I just don't know. Like I know he, I know that he had the recent movie. It did really well, I guess. So what is it? The massive, ta- the something massive talent, where he plays himself in the movie. Mm-hmm. It has, yeah, it has, what's oh, his name? Yeah. Um, the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian, yeah. I was, about to, I was trying to remember his real, his, yeah, he's in it. He plays the, I guess, the other lead with Nicolas Cage. But uh, I watched Pig as the last movie of his that I'd seen, and that was, it was good. It was different. He did a lot of acting without saying many words. Didn't he do that on the, that was actually the last movie I saw, which was that weird animatronic Wally's World or something like that? There was, yeah, and like he doesn't say a single word th- in the entire movie. He might yell or scream or something, but yeah, he never says says a word at all in this movie. He just kills the animatronics. That's it. You got to watch Mandy, bro. We got to. Pro- yeah, I know you mentioned that before, Mandy. But that one movie that Josh is talking about, he shows up to this place where a former like Chuck E. Cheese type restaurant is haunted by. The animatronics are haunted and he goes there and I guess he already knew about it. Cause like his hope, it seems like he, do, and he doesn't say a word to anybody and he kills all these ghost animatronics that happened from like some child molester who got killed in there. It, it's just this weird plot story. Like the, the whole story and shit, but it's just like, he's just in there whooping ass and just, but he's also, he got paid to clean out the building to pay for his car things, which you come to find out the town is like basically sacrificing people to that restaurant once a year to keep the ghosts away from killing the townspeople. So just a weird premise, weird plot line. And 
and he always takes his break on time too because there'll be times where he'll like go and kill and then like stop and do stop what he's doing go to the pinball machine eat a couple chips covered in blood like on the, and on, it's over goes back to clean in that in that line supernatural did y'all know that that show has an anime supernatural has an anime i just saw it the other day i mean i haven't watched it but i saw that it exists Where's it on i don't know but i i was like what the fuck <laughs> Supernatural has its own. Like it, you don't know the pa- whether it's not Crunchyroll or Funimation or. What? I just know that it exists. He just knows that it's out there in the in the ether. Mm. Who would own that then? Like, It'd probably be CW. Yeah, I would say the CW I mean, would own it. CW, they own yeah. the rights. I mean, I guess. I mean, that was the most popular CW title, right? I mean, it went like almost twenty years. No, no, I think it was sixteen, 20. seventeen. Like, yeah. So Damn. they probably were like, "Well, let's keep this thing going," um, somehow. Without without them being like sixty year old, yeah, because they were getting like uh, Jason Ankles, is that his name? Like he's now on the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was getting towards the last few. You're like, dude, this guy is he's getting up there in age, man. It's not as youthful as it was when he started. I mean, that show started in like two thousand three, right? Like four. the beginning of the two thousands. Like, man, I love that show, man. It's a good show, bro. I just I haven't even finished it. Neither I have I. To like the Leviathan. No, no, no. I got to the words of God where the prophets and stuff, and I stopped no, watching No, no, I didn't even yeah, get that far. It, uh, yeah, I think I'm in season, beginning of season 14, maybe, or 13. So I got like four seasons left, but God knows I don't have the time. We get it. You got a job. <laughs> Fuck us, huh? Oh. Just watch an episode a day, dude. Like how I did The Simpsons. That's how you got to do One Piece, bro. Oh, God, dude. Yeah, maybe, maybe hearing the podcast talking about One Piece, and I looked up the synopsis. I was like, "Oh, that seems interesting," but I don't know if I could commit to nine hundred episodes. It, it's shonen, bro, so it, it's kind of goofy, but you know, it does have ep- moments where it hits you in the feels, and you're like, "Oh my god, this backstory is gonna make me I mean, cry." At this point, after this episode, I'm just trying to find something that Zach truly likes on anime, and just be like, "It just didn't work for me, dog." Oh, you just want to shit on it, bro? You're like, here's what worked. This dude here's came out with me kind of one. Now, again, I don't. I'm not saying it's as good as Science of Sleep or. I can't wait. I can't wait to send you my uh, my article okay. that I'm going to be posting. For um, this. But no, I, I I'm not saying that it's as good as Science of Sleep or Eternal Sunshine. But I just I I still think it's a good movie. Uh, I think you just put the fucking the scalpel to it a little too much, or you had the wrong. Like we, me and Josh watched that first before Science of Sleep. Uh, that that's where you failed, bro. Well, I just felt like I, I kind of wanted to see a little Jack Black. I do love Jack Black. Jack Black is a underrated actor. Um, he's he's given us some good movies. I don't know if you've ever seen. I was asking Josh, but if you've ever seen like The Polka King or Bernie with Jack Black in it, uh-huh. oh, dude, great. Both are based on like true actual people, and he plays them. But they're they're good movies, man. Um, and obviously he's in, he's in our beautiful holiday movie, The Holiday. With stupid sex to Jude Law. Oh, that's a great movie. Winslet. His yeah. best role, yeah. dude. And it has Tuco, as we discovered when we did Good, Bad, and Ugly. So it's a great. I, I, Tuco Salamanca. Maybe that makes our Christmas time list. I don't know. We'll have to start. Oh, 100%. Put, we'll have to start putting all of that together. But uh, excited for next week, man. Yeah, me too. I think that's a good enough place to to end it. I'll uh, talk to you boys later. Yep. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. See y'all next week. All right. See ya.